Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's your daily dose of Donna. Welcome to the show. Today is Monday, November 13th, which means it's Dylan's birthday. It's my 11-year-old son's birthday. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. 11 years old. Although it feels like he's like 45 sometimes, to be honest. You know, you just have an old soul for a kid sometimes. Uh, Dylan is creative. He's fun. He's smart like beyond. He's obsessed with music. He's got a beautiful singing voice. He's a uh, creative. He's an overthinker. He doesn't sleep. <laughs> he's emotional. He's all the good and he's all of all of the things. Dylan is a uh, what a joy. And so 11 years ago I was sitting at St. John's Hospital um, wanting to, you know, throw my husband out the window because he was snoring. Why does that always happen, you guys? Why is it always? I feel like we saw, so there was an, um, you know, apparently, I don't cover the Kardashians, but apparently Kourtney Kardashian and Travis Barker had their baby, right? And there's a video that's going around of Travis Barker sitting in the hospital room while his uh, wife is giving birth. And he's like, drumming, drumming. Now, listen, Travis Barker is an incredible drummer. Like, we're aware of that. Obviously, he's amazing at, um, you know, his talent. But there's like a time and a place. And I don't know if you've ever been in labor. I don't know personally if I would prefer, like, enjoy a drum, a drum beat, uh, like, by my husband in that moment. I feel like that's the moment that I would say, shut the F up. <laughs> I just did not understand that, like, I would probably, um, I mean, I could give you guys on Patreon some of the funny stories from my birth, my birth story with Dylan, but one of them included, I was all like, um, hooked up, which just sounds funny because I was getting induced because I was over my time, whatever. What is that called? Like beyond your due date, whatever. Um, we're talking about pregnancy later with sister wives and McKelty. So this, we're still in the same uh, arena. Anyway, so I'm all hooked up. So I can't go anywhere, right? Like I have a catheter, the whole thing. And I cannot sleep because I have a husband who has decided to park himself on the on the bed, you know, the under the window bed that they give you and sleep like a baby. Not like a real baby, like an actual adult human being. Like <sighs> Lance is like a snorer if he doesn't have a CPAP machine because he has apnea. When I tell you I was pulling off my socks and throwing them in his face, I was saying, Lance, Lance, he wasn't waking up. I found a magazine next to my bed. I was throwing it at him. The guy would not wake up. I finally had to call for the nurse and I was like, excuse me, excuse me. Can you please wake up my, my husband and tell him to turn to his side? Anyway, a few hours later, I got wheeled into an emergency C-section and got to see Dylan for the first time. And when Dylan cried the first time, I cried alongside him with like a baby. I couldn't handle it. I didn't understand what this meant. Like, oh my God, I have a baby that's crying in my arms. It was the craziest thing. Um, 
Dylan is, is, is the joy of my life. One of the many joys of my life. So happy birthday, Dylan. Now let's get into some fun stuff. You guys over the weekend. Um, oh my gosh, I ate so much steak and drank so many martinis over the weekend. Friday was a steak and martini night with some friends. And then Saturday we went to a new restaurant. If you guys are here in the Sherman Oaks area or Los Angeles area, there is a group of restaurants that it's actually all owned by the same owners. They're friends of ours. And it's Taisho, Casita, and now Boulevard. Boulevard is a steakhouse on Ventura Boulevard. It's so insanely beautiful. The food was phenomenal. We had a great time. It was just like a friends and family um, preview week before they opened for the public, which I think they just opened this week or Sunday yesterday. Um, if you guys are in LA, you got to go check out Boulevard. It's so beautiful and so lovely. We sat there, we had a great dinner, and then we were right next door next to Michael Chiklis, which I don't know if you guys know who he is. If you saw a picture of him, maybe you'd recognize him. He was the lead of The Shield, that you know, one-hour show, The Shield. The Commish was before that. And then I think he's in The Accused. I know he's in Winning Time. He says he um, he told us he plays the the Celtics coach on that show, Winning Time. Anyway, he's a phenomenal actor. But when I was in casting, I worked for a casting director. I was her associate, which is like, you know, under her during when she was casting The Shield. So we were on the same lot as The Shield. We were working on a on a pilot for a different network. But it was so um, cool seeing him. And I started to chat with him and his wife, Michelle, and they were wonderful and got to hang out with them. And I'm like, Maybe I can get Michael on here to review a reality show. I feel like that would be fun. So that was the weekend. Did a bunch of other things, but uh, here we are. We're back here. I'm planning a big birthday party on Saturday. It's Back to the Future themed. I'll walk you guys through that later on my stories. There's like a whole thing for Dylan. But, um, oh my gosh, here's something else I did over the weekend. I watched the first two episodes of the Twin Flames documentary on Netflix. Please tell me you guys have watched this. You know we love some cult chat. We love some cult chat in this uh, Daily Dose of Donna world. And a de we definitely deep dive on the Patreon about stuff like this. So if you guys have a really good cult documentary or anything along those lines, please send it along. I mean, I believe that Sister Wives is kind of like secretly a Cody cult. So I feel like we're talking about cults once a week on this show. but. I listened to the podcast. It's based on a podcast um, that was released, I want to say during COVID time, like 2020, maybe. I don't remember. I remember listening to it a lot around that time. So now they've created a documentary, and I don't know how many episodes there are, but I've just watched two. You guys must, you must watch this. Jeff and Shalia are currently still running Twin Flame University. It's based on this couple that basically, like from what I know about them, he was just essentially a, like trying to be entrepreneur. I mean, I have so many stories like that. And I know a lot of you guys do too, right? These coaches. So he was going from like coaching people on how to get rich. And then he all of a sudden met this woman. They started dating she was really into like the spiritual type stuff. And then they began talking about twin flames. Before you know it, they started this empire of twin flame coaching where essentially they're coaching mostly women on how to find their twin flames, which is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. It is so insane. And then it became 
so much bigger than that. And they, uh, you know, people left their families. It, it's very Scientology-like. People cut off ties from people. Some of these women were coached to, you know, find their twin flame and and essentially, you know, get them at what, who knows what cost. And so they were going and going and some of them even got arrested. I mean, it is unbelievable. You guys. Yes. Oh my gosh. The comments are great. Yes. So many really insane documentaries about it are, any of these documentaries are always really interesting, but I just can't believe that Jeff and Shalia are currently still working and like doing this. Oh, okay. I just was told, wait until episode three. I will definitely, definitely, you know, wait until episode three. I'll tell you something about Twin Flames. I don't know a lot about Twin Flames. Sounds like a hellish relationship, to be honest. But um, Lance is not my Twin Flame. Like, what is a Twin Flame anyway? But I will say that Lance and I met at a bar. Where did you guys meet your spouses if you're if you're together with someone? Where do you guys meet? I have so many friends that met online. I've so, you know, we're going to get into the online because Janelle is considering online dating she's talking about. We're kind of, uh, I'm curious like where people meet. I think you can meet great people at the gym. I go to my gym every single day. And if I was single, I would totally probably meet someone that I could date. There's so many cute guys there. Um, trying to think where else. At parties, like, you know, through mutuals, at your temple, at your church. Hopefully not Scientology, but probably, you know that if you're at Scientology, oh my gosh, this is the best you guys. So, you know, I'm Jewish and I'm very proudly Jewish and, um, there's a hugely rising case of anti-Semitism around the world right now. And if you haven't seen it, like look for it, it's crazy. It's really scary, really sad. And, um, we're not going to go into that, but I joined a Facebook group that Jessica Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld's wife talked about on her Instagram stories and it's called mothers against college anti-Semitism because the colleges is really where it's like really, really scary and bad. So the group is 50,000 minimum strong of mostly mothers of either college age kids or younger than college age kids who really want to fight what's happening and like pick the right colleges for their kids, given what we're seeing. And one of the moms says yesterday, when all of this is over and things calm down, can we at least use this group to set up our kids? And I was like, that to me is the best, best like use of 50,000 Jewish mothers in one Facebook group is like setting up their children and finding the, you know, their future daughter-in-laws and son-in-laws. I just thought it was hilarious. Okay, let's get into... Um, a couple stories, right? Let's get into a couple stories. Let's start with the Kim and Croy of it all. Now, I promised myself that I was not going to cover a lot of Kim and Croy, but I, I felt the need to because this is just getting out of control, you guys. Kim and Croy, Beerman, Zolciak, Beerman, you know, whatever. They, you know, they've been married for years. They have a bunch of kids, a whole gaggle of kids. And then they famously separated and are filing for divorce. This was a couple months ago. And then they quickly unfiled for divorce or called off the divorce. And then they started to, you know, get call the cops and have these all these altercations. And then they finally, he filed for divorce again. Now, meanwhile, they're just outside of, they're in Atlanta, right? I don't remember exactly where they are. Meanwhile, every single, um, every single, uh, like two days, 
a new video is coming out about how a cop is called to their house. This is like abuse of the police system because they're calling the cop to be like, I need to get one of one of the um, body cams was him complaining because she needed to get into the bedroom to grab like a furry blanket or maybe some cream, a serum out of the bathroom. And Croy was like, this is my room. I'm locking you out. You sleep downstairs in the basement. And so Kim calls 911 and has the police come in and waste their time to, to settle this dispute. Now, this is where it gets scary because domestic abuse, God forbid, is like a really, really big issue for a lot of people and very, very scary. And if it's actually you know, what they're saying it is, it could be a life or death moment. Police are risking their lives going into these situations, but this is feeling ridiculous now. Am I crazy to think this? Like, uh, 911, he's not giving me my serum. I need my cream. He's not giving it to me. It's in the bedroom. It's on another level. So they're, the cops are going to their house all the time. Brielle's inv involved. The daughters, you know, I don't even know where the younger kids are. I feel so bad for them. They must be in the house and see all of this. I mean, what is going on? And then when we think that it's all over and done with, and they definitely all hate each other, they spent the weekend together celebrating their damn anniversary. Is this? Guys, we're getting punked. We're getting punked. If I worked for TMZ, and I guess I'm part of the problem too. <laughs> but if I worked for TMZ or Page Six or any of them, I would say the only way to stop this madness is to take an oath, like, like you know, pin your finger and like get some blood on it and everyone like <laughs> do some sort of crazy oath where you decide we will not cover Kim and Croy anymore because this is what is happening. They are crying out for attention. So it's like, we got to get a divorce. That's going to call, you know, for attention. Oh no, it's not working. We got to get back together. That will it, get divorced again. We're not, we're not the front page of page six anymore. Okay. Now we have to have our anniversary dinner. Next we have to fight in a parking lot. I mean, it is on another level. Goodbye, Kim and Croy. Goodbye. I am done with you guys. So this was my vow of silence. Now I will cover them if one, if a big thing happens, but after today, this is my moment to say, I'm done with you. I'm done with you, Kim and Croy. Oh, Taylor and Travis though. Talk about another two names with the same letters that actually works are Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Now I want to know from you guys who here actually doesn't believe that they like each other now. If you guys haven't, you know, turned on your internet, all through the weekend, we saw Travis Kelsey has now finally come to see Taylor. We've seen Taylor go to so many Chiefs games. I think she was at three games in a row and it was like, you know, front page of everything. And this week, Taylor kicked off her, her South America tour. And she is in Argentina. She was in Argentina over the weekend. And Travis Kelsey came to visit to, of course, watch her perform and to be in the, you know, like a little VIP area with her dad, which is so cute. And this guy loves the attention. Travis Kelsey loves the attention and Taylor Swift loves the attention. Between the two of them, they're so out and proud of being like who they are. I believe in my heart, heart, heart's heart, heart, and with my spidey senses, these two are getting married. I'm convinced of it. 
I don't see how it's not going to happen this way. I think both of them are ready to settle down. I think both of them are supportive as F over each other. I don't know if it's going to be a lasting union, but clearly she's in with all his friends and he's in with her people and her family. He's so cutely in love with her. He's holding up signs. He's dancing along to the songs. She's changing her lyrics. She talked about karma as the boy on the chiefs coming home to me. She's like changing the lyrics for him. They are in love. They're holding hands. They're kissing in public. They're all over the place. They will definitely, definitely have, um, I think they're going to end up together. I just can't imagine after all of this, Taylor Swift breaks up with him or he breaks up with her. I just feels, I feel like they're just, they should just get married tomorrow. Like, what are we waiting for? Let's have a Super Bowl wedding. Um, I think that, you know, the people that have been, there's a, like a, a group of people that are just constantly negative about it. I don't, I noticed that in the comment section. It's always in the comment section. By the way, if you really want to get upset in your life, read comments. It doesn't even have to be about your own content. It just has to be about content in general. It's like so upsetting. So Taylor and Travis are having this like love affair that is storybook-esque, fairy tale-esque. And of course, there's people in the comments saying, oh my gosh, they're totally doing it for publicity. Why? <laughs> I don't think Taylor needs more publicity. Do you guys? I'm under the impression that Taylor's totally fine. So I actually think they're very, very cute. I think they're very cute. I'm a, I'm a big fan. I want to see it continue. All my, uh, you know, my friends are talking about it. My kids are talking about it. Oliver, even my eight-year-old who doesn't pay attention to any of this stuff is like, he's all about it loves it. Um, so Travis did go down to Argentina and you know, what's so funny about that? You guys, when Travis was in Argentina, what language do they speak in Argentina? They speak Spanish, which reminds me of why I need to tell you guys a little bit about Babbel. Babbel is the sponsor of today's episode and Babbel is your amazingly easy to use way to learn a new language. Okay. So this fall, you guys can start speaking a new language with Babbel. So if Taylor needed to learn or Travis needed to learn a little Spanish, maybe with Taylor so that they can order some, some, um, room service, some love, some chocolate, maybe some champagne in span in Spanish. They had to, uh, maybe they tried Babbel. Maybe he tried Babbel on the flight, you know, going down to Argentina. So instead of paying hundreds of dollars for a private tutor or like fooling yourself with language apps that are a little more than games, Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language ex experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks, you guys, by Christmas. Before that, okay? It's designed by real people for real conversations. All of Babbel's tips and tools for learning a new language are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching. Now, I personally have always wanted to speak Spanish better, and the reason I'm going to talk Spanish specifically is because I live in Los Angeles. If you guys don't know, Los Angeles is a very, very... Um, 
There's so many Spanish, primarily Spanish speaking people here in Los Angeles. So I grew up speaking a little bit of Spanish, like in my classes, but now I'm going all in. And my son is really into learning Greek. So we've got a lot of like a Spanish going on and, and, and a lot of different languages. We're a multi-language family is what I'm going to say. Um, so it's just, it's fun to be able to have that conversation. And then now, now when my gardener Vicente comes over, I can speak perfectly with him. I mean, this really aligns, right? Um, so studies from Yale, Michigan State University and others continue to prove that Babel is better. For instance, one study found that using Babel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. So those of you college dropouts, this is the moment. This is the time where you can go back to college. With over 10 million subscriptions sold, Babbel is real language learning for real conversations. And I have a special for you guys. It's a limited time deal for our listeners to get you started right now. You can get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for the dosers at babbel.com slash bowling. That's 55% off at babbel.com slash bowling. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bowling rules and restrictions may apply. So of course I had to see, I had to look up, how do you say daily dose in Spanish? You guys want to hear this? You say dosis di diaria. <laughs> I died. Dosis diaria. Dosis diaria. That's how we are uh, going to start this uh, program. It's Dosis diaria de Dana. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Babel. Go check it out, you guys. Babel.com slash bowling. Um, any other, there wasn't that many big stories other than that over the weekend. It was kind of a slow weekend, which was nice. I will definitely be talking a little bit about Sunday Night TV. Sunday Night TV is, it's always good, right? We switched out Roni. Now we have Real Housewives of Potomac. It's really hard to say ROP. You can't say ROP, right? ROP, ROP. And of course, Sister Wives, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But let's first talk a little bit about Potomac. Now, you guys, I told you that I just caught up on Potomac last season, last, like in the last couple of weeks, I caught up all last season. So I am really into Potomac right now because you know, when you binge a show, it becomes obsessive and that's all you do and think about. So in episode two of Potomac, we've already kind of established the drama last week, which was it's the show basically should be like, how can we take Robin and Juan down? Now, I am personally not a um, Potomac obsessed. I mean, sorry, Robin obsessed. I'm really not. I don't think that Robin is uh, being honest. I think Juan is bad news bears. You know, when they say... Well, Dorinda says this, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, they're fucking. That's what she says about someone else. But the truth is, if it walks like a duck, duck and talks like a duck, there's usually, I mean, I hate to use this, this sentence because this is such a Bethany moment that I constantly use the same sentences, but when there's smoke, there's fire. And with Juan, it's just bad news bears. There's always going to be something bad about him. You have a guy that was caught, um, you know, feeding in the past, then buying a hotel room for another girl in a different, in a different state because he was being nice. Uh, apparently walking down a, a street in Georgetown, holding hands with someone, another blonde girl that looked like Karen. So that was so random. Then we have, uh, 
him being seen at a laundromat with Coach Bree. Have we met Coach Bree? Don't know. She just happens to be hot and young. And then he was also at a nail salon with this chick. Not to mention, he also has, he just got fired from his job as a basketball coach or as a, a assistant coach, I'm not sure exactly, for some sort of sexual sexual lawsuit, like sexual assault laws, lawsuit or something along those lines. He is not good news, this Juan. He's a liar. He's clearly a cheater. He's not bad. He's... I, these kind of rumors don't just go and follow people that are good people. Don't we see this? Now, I understand that, you know, Robin has kind of already fell into this hole again. She's decided that she wants to get back together with Juan. They've been together since high school. They have kids together. I understand this fear of like, I can't break up with him again. But at the same time, I almost wish she could just be honest. Like, this isn't this isn't the thing. This isn't, this isn't such a happy marriage. Like we're clearly going through it, but instead we see these annoying scenes between the two of them where they just sit and like, uh, you know, talk about how much they don't care about anything. Uh, okay. Number one, it sure seems like Juan cares. He's like, I don't care. I'm a nice person. I don't care. I don't care. Now, compare that with Angie Kay's husband. Remember Sean Sean Kay in Salt Lake City who had a rumor that he was cheating on Angie and gay or sleeping with men, and he's hysterically crying. Very different reaction. Not sure which is better, but it definitely doesn't make Juan likable. It really doesn't. It's gross. If Lance had all these affair rumors getting thrown at him, he would care because he would be like, we got to squash this shit. But when you don't care, it's probably because there is some sort of truth to it. And so it's like, I don't care. Let's move on. Let's talk about your supplements. Let's just talk about all the vitamins that you're making and, and pouring into these little bags. Come on, let's move on. Let's move on. They definitely have planned this conversation. Like, let's pretend we don't care about any of this. Now, every single person in Robin's life has, is caring about it, but Robin doesn't care. Robin is uh, living her life in denial. I find it real weird. Um, Ashley, Ashley's kind of the star of this episode because they, they have a 47 minute long um, scene with her and her mother buying plants. Now, I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. I liked her mom. Her mom's actually so cute and they were buying plants or whatever, but wow, the scene went on for a long time. I mean, I, at this point I got in the shower, I got out, I, I brushed my hair, I blew dry my hair and the scene was still going on. Did you guys notice that? I was like, wait, are we seriously going through the entire nursery with Ashley? We're seeing how much certain plants are. The editors, by the way, of Potomac. Chef's kiss. They're so good. They're so funny. So anyway, he is, um, you know, she is talking to her mom just kind of about what's going on. Of course, she introduces NECA, which is now I have to remember how she wanted to. Her name is NECA, 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 uh, who is uh, clearly going to be a new cast member or maybe a friend. I don't know. I think she's a new cast member. Um, and I like her, actually. She's Nigerian as well. And she, so she's talking to her mom about that. She's talking to her mom about all this drama with Candace. Now, meanwhile, Candace is, Candace is getting sued by Michael Darby, Ashley Darby's, well, not really ex-husband, because I think they're still married at this point, but ex for $2 million over accusations 
sexual accusations or something. I mean, I need to do some digging into that, into that lawsuit, right? So Ashley lives in this like adorable new house. She wants to have a housewarming party. It's a very confusing situation between her and Michael. He's still around. He's still there, but he's not. But his name is not on the title, but he can just come in and out. And who knows? But meanwhile, she lives in this adorable, sweet, happy, pleasant, bell looking house. And she seems happy, right? Which is why it's confusing that she decides to stir the pot a little bit later on with, um, with Wendy. But, you know, Potomac has like 400 characters, by the way. Between Potomac and Miami, those casts are stacked. We also have a really, um, I love Karen Huger, you guys. I love Karen Huger. I just think she's so funny. So Karen, Karen and Mia, are have, who I can't stand, I cannot stand Mia, are having this conversation on a walk around a lake um, where Karen's like, we're not doing rumors anymore. You broke girl code. Now, what she's talking about is last season, Mia brought up some, some rumor about Karen with another man. When Karen says you broke girl code because you hurt the husband, do we think that she, Mia was being honest? Do you think so? Do you guys think Karen's cheating or has cheated? That's what every single scene and every single character, every single like storyline on Potomac is who's cheating on who. That's all they talk about. So, so Karen and Mia have this kind of conversation. They apologize. Mia says, I am not drinking anymore. Karen goes, really? And Mia goes, well, I'm drinking wine. Let's talk about that real fast. Let's talk about that real fast. I don't know about you guys. And maybe there are some people who depends what alcohol they drink. Their personalities are really shifted. Like I know that some people when they drink well, I don't know. They always say, remember on Vanderpump, they called her Tequila Katie, right? So some people drink, I guess, hard liquor and it turns them into like a very angry or heightened person than who they are. And then some people, anytime they drink anything, it's always the same reaction. I don't really know. But according to Mia, an altered personality comes out when she drinks anything but wine. But when she drinks wine, she's fine. Well, I don't know. I've seen some girls get wild on wine. So I don't get it. I don't understand. Makes no sense to me. So she's like, I am not drinking. I am not drinking. I'm not drinking. Well, I'm drinking wine. No. So you're drinking. There's a lot of people out there that only drink wine. Wine is alcohol. It's so weird. It's like, I am not eating. Oh yeah. Well, I'm eating sushi, but I'm not eating. <laughs> it's so strange. So anyway, um, she is, she's definitely uh, an, an odd one, that Mia. They kind of make up. Then we see a, a scene at Pilates. It was a very fun, cute scene with a bunch of the girls, which was edited fantastic. Like it was an infomercial for Pilates. Ashley has new fake boobies that are, she named, I don't even know. Um, everyone's got their new, their weight loss. Their, uh, you know, Karen's talking about how she has a 5% corroded artery in her heart. I probably said that wrong. And then Giselle is there and she is now talking about her relationship with Jason from Summer House. Winter House? I can't remember which one he's in. He's very cute and it's a very cute little relationship. So anyway, uh, they're having a very, uh, you know, fun little workout session. And then Ashley tells them all about the housewarming party, which then we go to the housewarming party. I mean, there's a couple little scenes here and there, but we're at the housewarming party and here's where we decide 
to kind of put everyone in one room to decide who's going to fight with who. Of course, the first is Mia and Wendy. They're still not talking. It's kind of awkward. Then there's a couple of other girls that come in and then Nyeka, Nyeka, I have to say it right, um, comes and talks about the fact that she is you know, she's an attorney, she's a doctor. And then we cut into this conversation that Ashley has with Wendy, where now Ashley's really triggering Wendy. Why? Because the first thing she says is like, it's so weird. I don't know why, Wendy, but uh, Nyeka told me that you are not really a doctor. Why would you say that? Ashley is like, if I lose Real Housewives of Potomac, I am screwed. I need to get back together with Michael. So I'm going to cause all the drama this season. I'm going to find all of the things to say. And for that reason, like, hopefully I'll get back on season. Like, I need another BravoCon in me. That's what Ashley's thinking. She's like, someone needs to pay for these new boobs. And and the specialty wine bar that I got for 10 people at my housewarming party. Anyway, I thought it was really... uh, I thought it was really kind of shady. Ashley kept kind of digging on Wendy to get her to be annoyed with Nieka and like the other ones. So that's kind of where the episode ended. Uh, We'll have to see where it goes. Listen, these girls, they serve. They serve good TV. They are funny. They don't give a crap. They're like, they make everyone laugh. Like Potomac is where it's at, you guys. If you haven't started watching Potomac, you must trust me. It's very good. Okay. But now we're going to talk about Sister Wives, you guys. Sister Wives, which should be called Cody's White Sports Car. OMG, Sister Wives. The show that keeps on giving. Now, I every time I talk about Sister Wives, I get a lot of comments that say, how do you still watch this? It is the most boring show. And what I say to you is you may not know cinematic TV. You may not understand, you know the art of the build, right? We're building. Sister Wives is a slow build. It's like the pyramids. Actually, those I think went up pretty fast. I should ask Craig. Craig knows about the pyramids, remember? I I, I think that Sister Wives is the show that, well, I'll tell you this. If we could go back and count how many times we've seen that same picture of Cody and Janelle or Cody and Mary or Cody and Christine from before they had kids, how many times do we have we have seen it just this last season in a flashback? I think nine in the last two episodes. Every time I turn away and come back to the TV, there's the picture of Cody and Janelle together when they were younger. I don't know how many times you can rehash the same story, but it's working and they're doing it. And I'm watching. We're all watching. We are all watching every single moment of this slow drip. This is watching paint dry. This is watching a bucket filling up by the slowest, like, drop, 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 drop. And we're sitting there like this. When is it going to fill up? I don't know what we're waiting for. I don't think there's going to be this big, huge bang payoff for this work that we've put in. I think we are gluttons for punishment and at the same time enjoying every moment of it. We're masochistic, right? That's what it is. Enjoying pain. We're enjoying getting tortured by sister wives, by Cody, and last night by his white sports car. 
Now, is there a reason they call it a white sports car and not just whatever it is? What kind of brand of car, what make of car is Cody's white sports car? I'm curious. I missed that because it was just the white sports car. Now, this white sports car has seen a lot of things like I was told in the episode. I was told, I mean, I, I, Cody and Robin, Cody, Robin was spoken to God, spoken by God in that car, telling her to marry Cody. My guess is it had a little bit less to do with God and maybe more about where Cody's hands were in that moment. Just saying. Cody is the kind of guy that would probably ask one of his sister wives to please him while driving, if you know what I mean. That feels like something Cody would do. I feel like Cody's tendrils would just be flying in the air like this, you know, and he's like, get down there and look at my pecs, my six pack abs. I think Cody is definitely, definitely asking to get pleased at all times of the day. And especially while driving that white sports car, you know, he's low riding kind of under the dash, if you know what I mean. You guys are going to die over this conversation. <laughs> Don't listen to this with your kids. I'm not saying any bad words. Well, sometimes I do. Okay. Then <laughs> I have to share this. I have to share this comment. Kathy Goblin was making Cody's dill pickle happy for sure. I'm dead. <laughs> Dill pickle. That's what I actually call my son Dylan. So I'm screwed. Oh my God. This was so good. Yeah. Well, when you're being an obedient wife, you guys, I mean, that's how you show obedience, correct? You serve, you obey and serve. So anyway, we start the episode with the fam bam talking about McKelty and Tony's, you know, gender reveal. This is early on in the episode. Now I will tell you one thing. We have to have a conversation about something that I think we're getting tricked by producers of, of Sister Wives, and I'm going to tell you why. McKelty is not pregnant in that confessional. There is absolutely no way that McKelty is pregnant in that confessional. I'll explain why. McKelty and Tony are both, when they're doing their gender reveal and when she, they're announcing that she's pregnant with twins, you can see their bodies and their faces, right? You can see that they are clearly, sorry about the pause. I'm just thinking of the right words. Clearly heavier. This is not rude. It's just the truth. It's our eyes don't lie. Clearly heavier than when they are talking about this moment in a confessional where supposedly she is totally pregnant because She's gotten her pregnancy belly stuffed with something. There is absolutely no way that she is that pregnant in that confessional and half the size as she is when she started being pregnant. And Tony has lost all his weight as well in the confessional. So all of a sudden, they're like new people towards the end of the pregnancy. That doesn't really happen, does it? It doesn't usually happen. Usually when you're pregnant with twins, you don't lose weight in your face towards the end of the pregnancy, right? I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I've been pregnant, but it's it's very odd. There's definitely some sort of, uh, uh, she's gotten, they've gotten help losing weight. Like, I don't know what it is. Do I don't know if they're like part of some sort of MLM or something and they're talking about it, but it is, it is quite a, quite a sight 
And I'm happy for them. They look so good right now. They do in their confessional. But then why stuff that pillow in them? In them. Justin McKelty. It was real odd. So anyway, they're talking about this gender reveal. They decide to do a group Zoom. I don't care how much you love people. Anytime there's a group Zoom of multiple people at once, it's going to be the most awkward time of your life. I'll tell you why. Back in the COVID days, I'm sure you guys all had to do this with your families, right? We had a Zoom Passover, which is in April, with all of our family in different houses. We had a Zoom birthday party for my sister. Her birthday is April 20th. So in those early couple months where we weren't seeing people, we had Zoom parties. Now, I just saw a little video that I recorded of my sister's surprise Zoom birthday party. And it's like literally 25 boxes on a screen. And then one screen is where my brother-in-law was going to bring my sister into the room and we were all going to sing happy birthday. Well, when you film it and you watch it, it is crazy. Okay. It's actually unhinged because what's happening is my sister comes into the room and she sees that there's like balloons and streamers in the room. And she's like, oh, thanks, babe. Like has no idea that every single person she's known in her entire life because no one had anything else to do during during COVID except Zoom. So every people from her high school are there. I mean, I really think it was like her OB was there. Everyone was there. Her dentist, they're all on the Zoom and they come in, she comes in and she sits there and she's like, um, thanks, babe. Happy. And then all of a sudden you hear my mom who's like, Sharoni, Sharoni, happy birthday. Sharoni is my sister's name. And then, you know, all of a sudden people decide like, oh, is, is it time to sing? I guess we should start singing because no one coordinated this. We didn't talk about how to set, set up the song, but there's a delay on Zoom. So all of a sudden it's happy, happy birthday to you, birthday to you, happy birthday to happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday. Each sounds like people are dying. Okay. It sounds like it's a symphony of dying cats. And my sister has no idea what's happening. And we're all just like, <laughs> happy, happy birthday. happy! And then you hear a random kid crying in the background. It is shockingly awkward. This was their gender reveal as well. Awkward as all. So in the middle of people doing things, you see Cody with, <laughs> hi, <laughs> doing like peekaboo for the kids. And Robin's like, Hi. Hello. Hello. Now in this scene, this is the scene that, you know, we see a little bit out of Robin's daughters. Okay. Robin's daughters are basically Sabin Juniors. Okay. They're Sabin Robin Juniors. By the way, merch is coming very soon. And you know, I have a Sharpie. I have a shirt with a Sharpie. We are introduced to Sabin Robin's daughters once again in, in a moment of in fact, I believe this is what they call in the Twin Flames Association or Twin Flame thing, mirroring. I believe that Robin's daughters are trying to become Robin because they are in some sort of Robin Robin cult where they are told their mom is the victim, the ultimate victim. She is, well, hold on. Let's, let's step into Robin's daughters. My mom, this is, it's just been so hard because he's really just tried her best to get everyone together and to get dad. He's your dad? To get dad, to get along so well with our siblings. And my mom has been, she's just tried so hard to be there for everyone. And I just feel like she's been unfairly treated. Now, Robin comes in, Grandma Sobin Robin, okay? Robin comes in 
And she decides that she's going to say, you know, I I just, lots of heavy breathing. I just decided I needed to come in there and just show them that we can smile. I wanted everyone to see that, you know, we're really not that bad. Cody and I really love everyone. And I just wanted Garrison to see that for himself. We had to be there for McKelty. McKelty loves us more than everyone else. I just know it in my heart. McKelty wants to be a sobber as well. Give me a damn break. It is so crazy. It's so manipulating. You can clearly see that this was all this is all a manipulation. And just you wait until next season, right? Just next, I mean, next episode where Robin goes full sob. You know, next weekend I need I may need to just uh next Monday I may need to just tape these up here because they they're gonna have to sit here for a long time. This is the scene. This is the scene next week that we're gonna see where Robin is crying, I want it to be. <laughs> On the porch with my sister. (laughs) Give me a damn break, Robin. I see right through you. I see right through you. You know what you're doing? You're raising a bunch of crybabies, Ryan. Ryan. Robin, you're raising a bunch of damn crybabies. And I'm telling you, it's a cult in that house. That brown house is a cult. And the reason why Sob and Robin and Cody wanted a big family compound is because then, you know, once you're in, you can't get out. But now they're all too wild. Everyone's too free in Flagstaff. That's actually what the show should be called, free in Flagstaff. Maybe I'll pitch it. Okay. So then at this point... Um, where are we now? At this point, we have a, uh, a situation where, um, oh, we have a lot between Janelle and Christine. So the, the, the ongoing conversations are basically how do we, you know, move on and date every single time we have a conversation that is like a serious dating conversation for Janelle, she, or for Christine, she's like, I think I'm ready to start dating. Of course it stops. Then it goes into that very quiet, like, ding, 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 piano playing melody, where again, we see the damn picture of Cody and Christine when they first started dating. I couldn't do it, you guys. I can't do it. Take me out of this misery, where she's talking about how she knew God told her that he was the one that he had, she had to marry. And God told Janelle too. Janelle and Cody did a little flirting out of wedlock. Did you guys see that? Cody and Janelle have a little bit of, um, this one again, every time. Um, Cody and Janelle had a little bit of, of a, you know, flirtatious affair before God told her she needed to be part of that family. I want to ask you guys a question. Tell me if this wouldn't sound insane. Just say you're like out and about. You go to a bar and you meet a guy. Just say you're a woman and you're straight or a man and you're gay. I'm just going to use these as examples. And you meet someone that you think is like so good looking, so hot. And then you guys start to, you know, flirt. Okay. You start to flirt a little bit. You're starting to give each other a little bit of, you know. And then one day you decide you're going to go right up to him and you're going to say, Hey, so God nudged me overnight. I thought it was my cat, but it was God. And he told me 
I need to join your family. You need, we need to get married. He told me. I'm sorry. This is not appropriate. Like, this is not an appropriate entry into someone's dating life. Like, God told me I have to be with you. So when? Just tell me where to be. I found it so interesting. It was so uh, funny to hear, like, all this talk of God, which then leads me into the God of my episode, which was the white sports car. Now, Cody has never seemed more unhappy than when he's talking about his children. Cody has never seemed more unhappy than when he's talking about Mary. But Cody has never seemed so damn happy. Such golden retriever energy. Such little kid in a candy store kind of energy that when he's with his boy moving his white sports car. Now, let me tell you something. Cody just loves a man moment. He loves a bro moment. He loves broing out with his boy, Cody. No, not Cody. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> Cody and Brian take the streets. They decide to move this white sports car that's seen so much. Oh, my God. It's seen kisses. And it's seen God's tap on the shoulder. It's seen all kinds of fun things, Sabin Robin says in the car. A little TMI, in my opinion, for TLC, but okay. It's seen so much life and history. But this car is not just about a car, guys. Getting this car into this truck is a simile. It's a simile for sex. Mm-hmm. You heard me. Getting this car into this truck is square peg into round hole. It's pushing. It's pushing. It's getting so close. And then making sure that you only have a couple inches left and then it's just not getting in. Well, Cody says, this is my life. This is my life. And this is an example of my marriages. I've tried so hard to just make it work. I've tried so hard to just get it in. And I never fully get it in. Now, I don't know about you guys, but this was the time where I wanted someone to pop up on TLC and say NSFW, not safe for work. This felt like he was giving us mixed messages, like he was giving us subliminal messages. It's like, this is, this is why it's not working with me and Mary. Square peg round hole, baby. And I'm not talking about cars. This is why it's not working with Christine. Couldn't get it in. Guys, Cody, <laughs> Kathy again just kills. <laughs> she says, Cody, you have 15 kids. You got it in. Cody always tries to get it in. He just isn't able to. Not able to get it in. Two more inches. Just ram it in. Guys, what were we watching? The white sports car was the simile of Cody's life. The white sports car, it's like when Cody dies, he needs to have a tombstone that says, here lies white sports car, always trying to get in, but needs a few more inches. That is Cody's final words. He is such a white sports car. He doesn't even have a brand or a make or a model. He's just an unnamed, unspecified white sports car. Cody. From your white sports car to mine. 
please never get it in. Please never, may you never get it in, Cody, because this season of Sister Wives has given me so much joy and hopefully will continue to be the gift that never gives. I hope, or it never stops giving. I hope that white sports car never finds a truck it fits into because we need to be given 18 more seasons of this mess. I hope Cody never finds the perfect fit because I don't think Robin's the perfect fit either, you guys. Something is going to shift. Please, please turn Robin into a lesbian or something. Give us something good. Honestly, take one for the team, Robin, and start dating your priest. Like, do something that is just so scandalous. Like, start dating Tom Sandoval, Robin. We need scandal. You know, we're already used to, we're used to Scandoval. We're used to Mauricio and Kyle Richards and Morgan Wade. Like, we need Robin to go all in. She needs to date one of the kids. Not the young kids, okay? She needs to date the 18 and over ones that were Robins. I mean, that were Christine's. We need some, um, we need something. We need something good to keep us going. Okay, we're going to work on it. TLC, if you're watching, thank you so much for taking my opinions and taking my suggestions and honestly, just pass them over to her, you know, just like a little nudge, like a little, oh, you can just like put them in a little, um, you know, a Kleenex box, just like shove it under the door. She needs a lot of those. Eyebrow pencils. Now, you know what I would do if I were an eyebrow makeup brand? Like if I um, had any of those, like, you know, products that, whatever L'Oreal or something, it's got to be something less than that. It was, pro- it would probably be like, um, Clarins. Like what's one of those, I'm trying to think what's like a Rite Aid store-bought brand. Like, um, um, the, you know, NYX or Wet Seal or like one of those kinds, you know, just like a very whatever. And then if I were them, I would collaborate with Robin for an eyebrow pencil and I would give her an eyebrow makeover. Like, is that not the best idea ever? I'm going to work on that. Okay, you guys, I hope you have an incredible... Oh, Elf. Elf is a good one. Elf is a good one. Elf, if you're listening, call Robin. You guys could do some magic together. And then like do something for Cody too at that point too. Like we've got to do... Actually, you could do makeovers on all those women. Like we could we could do a lot. You guys, I hope you have an an amazing Monday and uh, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you guys so much and I will see you tomorrow on Daily Dose of Donna. Thanks for all your comments, reviews, likes, and make sure to check out babble.com slash bowling to learn a new language with 55% off. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.